Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift that it is to gather here today. Um, we pray that you would feed us through your word and your sacrament. Lord, we pray that the truth of your word would be spoken this morning and the truth of your word alone be remembered. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Today in the church, we celebrate the feast day of Christ the King. This holy day marks the end of our Christian year. When we enter Advent next week, we will begin our new year by looking back and remembering when Jesus first came down from heaven. We will remember the hope that has already come to us. We will remember that Christ has already come and lived the perfect life, that he has already died for us on the cross for our redemption, and that he has already been raised from the dead. That all begins next week. But today, on Christ the King Sunday, we look not backwards, but forwards. At the end of the church year, we look forward to the end of history and time itself. We are reminded that Christ will come again in glory as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, seated on his throne and ushering in a new creation. Today, we remember that the fulfillment of our ultimate hope in Jesus Christ is promised, assured, guaranteed, begun, and still yet to come. Our readings today are filled to the brim with gathering and judgment. When Christ the King returns again in his second coming, he warns us that it will be a day of judgment. So often when we as Christians encounter the theme of judgment in scriptures, it's easy to have that knee-jerk reaction to shy away from it. We want to skip straight to grace. Grace is warm. Grace is comforting. Grace is easier to read about, especially when you see yourself in the scriptures. We want to run immediately to grace because it's uncomfortable to think about. No one really likes the idea that one day they'll have to stand before the God that created them and give an account of every action and every careless word that they uttered in life. Divine judgment is an uncomfortable thing to look forward to. But our lessons today, as grim and ominous as they might look on the surface, present a beautiful picture of our God that can also be of a profound comfort to us. As we see Jesus as our shepherd king, we can begin to see three things. King Jesus is ruling even now. King Jesus gathers and will give final judgment. And in the here and now, King Jesus has given us our marching orders. First, King Jesus is reigning even now. Our lesson from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says that, for he, Jesus, must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. This is the kingdom reign which John the Baptist proclaimed when Jesus first began his ministry. Jesus is carrying out his rule over all creation even now. His victory on the cross is just the first fruits of his kingly reign. Through his power and his sovereignty, he is continually putting his enemies under his feet. This is wonderful because this means that we can trust that when we look at the world and we think that it's being torn apart at the seams, we can trust that King Jesus is there holding it all together. Every generation in the church has thought that they were in the end times, beginning from the very beginning in Acts. And yet whatever crisis came about, it always passed. Time moved on and the church moved on. In the sovereignty of God, the church has always made it through even the darkest moments of history 
And it's actually coming out of those darkest moments of history that the church has flourished. Our psalm this morning proclaims boldly, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. By this, the psalmist means that as Jesus reigns, he reigns over all spiritual powers. There's no force out there that is stronger than God. It also means that Jesus is also reigning above all earthly rulers too. He establishes those authorities. Jesus alone is capable of putting this broken world back together. We don't have to look far to see how broken the world is. We don't have to look far to see how deep sin, hurt, and brokenness runs through every human heart and everything we put our hands on. It also seems that for as long as we have been around, people have been trying to fix this broken world all by themselves. We put our trust in institutions, in governments, in political leaders. But the obvious problem with this is that every earthly ruler is wholly inadequate to do the job. Our leaders don't often do much to unite us. In fact, it seems that further division is the result of every change of power. King Jesus, however, is a king that gathers. In John chapter 12, Jesus tells his disciples that I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. This is where the image of Christ as our shepherd becomes central to how our lectionary teaches us to see Jesus as our king. In our lesson from Ezekiel, the Lord says, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. Jesus is the king that gathers and unites his people. In his reigning rule right now, Jesus is bringing his people together before he comes again in glory. And he does this in beautifully intimate ways. Jesus, in his humble way, even as king, takes it upon himself to come to us, to meet us where we are, to bring us into his fold. He meets us at our lowest points, in our darkest moments. Jesus goes into the places of cloud and thick darkness to rescue his people. Our king is not afraid to get his hands dirty with our sinfulness to pick us up and carry us back to his pasture where he tends for us. He gives us, he binds up our wounds and he gives us the strength to carry on. In this way, we know that the shepherd king Jesus does not reign from afar, but he, in fact, he is intimately close to all of us. Our psalm this morning in verse 7 reminds us that we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Our king holds us in the palm of his hand. How beautiful is that? How assuring is that? Our king holds us in the palm of his hand and he is immediately close to us in order to care for us. We experience this when we worship him together. As our psalm says, as his sheep and as his people, we come into his presence with thanksgiving, making joyful noises with songs of praise, bowing down and kneeling before him as he meets us here in this place. King Jesus is a king that gathers his people. This is why every Sunday we pray for the unity of the church, not just because it's a good thing, but because the life of a divided church is a direct and public contradiction of the gospel message. And King Jesus also gathers in order to judge the world. 
In our Ezekiel reading, God promises that after he gathers his flock to himself, he says, Behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Of all the people on this earth who call themselves followers of this King Jesus, they will be sifted and sorted in judgment. This shepherd-like sorting is repeated in our gospel lesson as Jesus says, I will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And I will place the sheep on my right, but the goats on my left. Then as king, I will say to those on my right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then I will say to those on my left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devils and his angels. Now this passage doesn't cover all of what the Bible says about the judgment and the end of times and Christ coming again. Even though this sorting between sheeps and goats is focused on those who call themselves Christians, there's, there's a truth here that we can see in the broader picture. It's a reflection of how Jesus as king is coming to set all things right. It's, it is judgment, yes, but it's beautiful judgment. It's a beautiful judgment that promises a beautiful and perfect eternity after all is said and done. Harsh words lead to a beautiful picture. As we prayed in our collect prayer this morning, we're reminded that King Jesus returns to restore all things, which means that something beautiful will be here after. So how do we know who are the blessed sheep and who are the cursed goats? In Ezekiel, we hear that the goats eat up the good pasture. Now, there's nothing wrong with this. They're part of the flock. The pasture's there for, th there for them to graze on. But they continue on to tread upon the pasture as they go, leaving nothing for the sheep to eat. And they do the same with the water. They drink the water while it's crystal clear, but they leave it muddy for when the sheep come along to drink after them. A goat is someone who consumes but does not consider the needs of those around them. As Christians, we have to ask ourselves, are we simply consumers in the church and in the world, eating up all that we want to feel spiritually fed, but not ensuring that our brother and sister next to us are being fed as well? In what ways are we simply getting what we want out of the church and neglecting to care for those in the pew with us? Our psalm this morning warns us that we should not harden our hearts. We should not go astray in our desires and fail to live out what God has placed on our lives. The psalmist warns us not to test the Lord unbelievingly, forgetting what he has done for us in the past, those things that he's done in our life that he's used to reveal himself to us. When all we do is consume, we begin to feel entitled, to feel like our relationship with Jesus is just a transaction of goods. I can put a little prayer in. I can get a little grace out of it. I put a little prayer in. I get a little provision. I put a little prayer in. I get some peace or some deliverance. To know God's ways, as it says in our psalm, is to live into a real relationship with our king that trusts in him wholeheartedly. We trust in our king to provide for us all that we need to live our lives serving him. We trust in our king because he has done great things for us already, things we shouldn't forget. Every one of us can testify to the way that God has worked in our lives. Partly, that's why we find ourselves here. If our hearts begin to harden or begin to be led astray by our earthly desires, it's a sign that we have not been walking in a healthy relationship with our king as we should. Lastly, in our gospel reading, the goats are the ones who do not care for the least of these. The goats are those who do not feed the poor, who do not clothe the naked, 
who do not visit the sick and in prison, who do not welcome the stranger. The goat is the one who fails to follow the great commandments that we say every Sunday morning, to love God and to love our neighbor as ourself. It's often said that love is an action word. Jesus here as our king is telling us that we must live out our lives in loving action. These are the marching orders that our king has left for us. Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. We show our love for our king as we follow his commandments and God has commanded us to go to the least of these. The least of these are the kinds of people that Jesus himself ministered to when he was on earth. We can think of the woman at the well, the blind, the lame, the sick, and the sinners. Our relationship with our king is like the parable of the two sons from Matthew 21. It says this, what do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterwards he changed his mind and went. And the father went to the other son and said the same thing. And the son answered, I go, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And the disciples said, the first one. The sheep is the one who hears the will of the shepherd king and does it. The goat is the one who hears the will of the shepherd king and does not do it. For who can say that they have a king if they are not willing to follow him? How can you call Jesus your king if you do not keep his commandments and if you do not answer his calling on your life? But there's a beautiful assurance in these marching orders as well. As we go out to meet the least of these, Jesus promises that we will meet him in these moments. We encounter our divine king as we seek out the least of these in acts of love and mercy. Jesus tells us that the righteous were surprised to hear that their good works were done unto the Lord, and the unrighteous were surprised to hear that they had somehow neglected their king. Jesus tells us so that we need not be surprised like them. Do you feel far from Jesus? Do you feel far from your king? He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you in the hearts of the least of these all around us. He's waiting to meet you out there on the streets and in the shelters. He's waiting in the empty stomachs of the poor. He's waiting in the lonely cells of the prisoners. He's waiting in the cold and wet clothing of the stranger with no place to sleep for the night. As we celebrate the feast of Christ the King, we do so in joyful waiting for the return of our King. But this waiting is a waiting in action. As Jesus reigns even now, as he draws all people to himself, we have a lifetime to serve him, to meet with our King where he has chosen to meet us. When we gather here, Jesus meets us to feed us with his word, body, and blood. When we go out these doors, Jesus goes out with us to meet us again and again throughout the week in those made in his image. Today may mark the end of the Christian year, but our mission does not end. Our marching orders remain until he returns or calls us home. Friends, we have a king unlike any other. We have a king that is sovereign over all things with a power that cannot be matched by anyone. We have a king who is the very definition of good so we can trust him. We have a king who is able to care for each and every one of us deeply 
and personally. We have a king who is putting chaos back into order and judging rightly to bring justice and peace to his creation. We have a king who is gathering his people. We have a king who by his grace calls us to participate in the work that he's doing in the world. Let us follow our king as we await his coming again because he has promised it is so. Amen. Now stand